superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. What do you say, Geno Smith, to those who think that Russ is gone and so are Seattle's playoff hopes? This is the Rich Eisen Show. I got this. They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. That's the problem. I ain't right back. Let's go. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Geno steps up in the pocket, throws downfield, Parkinson, touchdown! All I have to say is, let's ride. Earlier on the show, NFL on Fox analyst Mark Schlereth, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. Still to come, eight-year MLB veteran and throwing coach Tom House. And now, it's Rich Eisen. That is correct. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. In this hour, we'll we'll talk about Russell Wilson's return to Seattle, what we saw and what we did not see. And we've already handled the part of what we did not see, which was him handling the final fourth down (laughs) with the game on the line. Uh, if you missed that, we talked about it with Mark Schlereth in hour number one. Our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show, is there for that. So is our Roku channel page. Uh, we're live on the Roku channel and on uh, channel 210. Uh, the show airs live every day from 12 to 3 Eastern time, and then it keeps repeating after that. So if you missed our first hour and you're watching on the Roku channel, well, as soon as this third hour is over... It starts again, and then there's also our podcast. If you missed anything, you can listen to us every single day on our podcast. Hit the RSS feed. It's part of the Cumulus Podcast Network. The Westwood One folks help us out with our terrestrial radio affiliate, uh, Coast to Coast. The list is 50 strong and more, and we say hello to our Odyssey listening audience as well. We had Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of the University of Michigan, in hour number two, and I turn to my right here on this program, and uh, I see for the first time our, our guest in studio, an eight-year veteran of Major League Baseball, but the most respected uh, throwing coach in Major League Baseball and the NFL. Tom House is here on the Rich Eisen Show. Good to see you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, before we get started, Brockman, go ahead and lay on Tom House what you told me earlier today. Go for oh, it. Oh, man, when I was in uh, Little League, so this was early 90s, uh, I had the book that you had co-written with Nolan Ryan about how to how to pitch and all the exercises and stretches and and things to do grips on certain uh, on certain pitches like and I was kind of my guide because I was a pitcher uh, back in the day and is that why he's not playing anymore? <laughs> so yeah, how far did you go? How far did you go? I mean, I, I played a year in college. There you go. So well, the really cool thing is is that that book is the number one selling pitching manual in the history of pitching books. And obviously it wasn't because of me. It was because it was Nolan Ryan's fastball is what we were talking about. So it was actually one of the better books. And it's from what I remember, Ted Williams book on hitting and that book on pitching are the one and two in baseball instruction. Fantastic. You got got a good one in there. It's great. I loved it. And so, uh, but you don't have it for him, no. I don't have it with me, It's it's probably somewhere in an attic somewhere. somewhere. in my mom's house. (laughs) Okay, very good. All right, very good. Um, So in your eight-year career, uh, I got to ask you about this moment before we get to the here and now, what's going on with you and your career and the people that you have been counseling. Um, 
Is it true you caught the Hank Aaron home run ball in Atlanta? You've done your homework. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Um, you were in the bullpen warming up? I was up? in the bullpen, yeah. It was a, basically it took a year to get to that point because mm-hmm. he started chasing the record in 73. And it was a big to-do that here we were sneaking up on um, you know, a, a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 714 was the magic number. And as it turned out on that given day, uh, we drew straws to see where we would be in the bullpen because the Atlanta Bray bullpen in Fulton County Stadium was behind the left field fence. So I got the straw that put me out to left center. Um, Buzz Capra was the one that had a dead center. And as luck would have it, um, Henry hit it. I was standing there. Everybody talks about what a great catch it was. If I would have stood still, it would have hit me in the forehead. So there was wow. nothing magic there. What do you mean you were drawing straws? What are you talking about? Well, because um, the ball mm-hmm. was going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and I think by game time, uh, the word I heard was twenty-five grand. That uh, I think Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, had come through the clubhouse before the game started, and he wanted the ball and Henry to come out and do a show with him in Las Vegas. And 25000 was the number I heard. And remember, in 1974, minimum big league salary was 12000 And obviously, I was way toward that mm-hmm. number than the other guys on the team. But the bottom line was, uh, or the good news was, that the, that was the highlight of my major league career. <laughs> but the bad news was, that was the highlight of my major league career. <laughs> so, Ouch, come so on, man. But so, uh, so Sammy Davis Jr. was strolling through the, the clubhouse oh, yeah, before the, the game? It was a big to-do. Uh, it was like a mini circus wherever we, went, wherever we went. In fact, it was the first time I saw a ball player that couldn't ride the bus with a team and walk in to the hotel when we were on the road. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was, there were death threats. There was a lot of hoopla of going around it. Um, but the bottom line is it was the, the right guy hit the home run and the right guy caught the home run. Well, you didn't sell it, did you? Did you really sell the ball? No, okay. and if you watch the film on it, I actually caught it and ran it as fast as my little fat legs would take me into home plate. And there's pictures out there of me giving it to him while he was hugging his mother. And just to put a perspective on it, I said, here it is, Hank. And he said, thanks, kid. I I don't even know if he knew who I was. But the the bottom line was it it was uh, a big moment in my life, and Mm. it was a a friendship that lasted a long time. Uh, Henry always called me Tommy. And when I'm telling the big lie, it's actually true. Tom House here on the Rich Eisen Show. When did you first hook up with Nolan Ryan? When did that happen? Um, When I was with the Texas Rangers, it was my third or fourth year as a pitching coach. Mm -hmm. And the Rangers were kind of like the doormats of the American League at that time. Mm -hmm. And they brought together Bobby Valentine and Tom Grieve. Bobby was the field manager and Tom Grieve was the general manager. And they were very aggressive with new ideas and asking for whatever it took. So they went to they went to ownership when Nolan became a free agent with the Astros. And Bobby had played with Nolan when they were together in the Angels. And as it turned out, um, because we extended not just a, a money offering, but allowed him 
for the first time his family could come to the ballpark, travel with him, very similar to what uh, Tom Brady is going through right now where, uh, you know, at 45, he's got family issues that a 25-year-old doesn't have. Mm -hmm. So as luck would have it, uh, Nolan shows up for what was supposed to be one year and he ended up uh, staying nine and he was a better pitcher in that time frame than any other time in his career. So n- now that you, you know, you're working with Major League Baseball pitchers for as long as you've worked with them and now NFL quarterbacks for as long as you've worked with them, is there a similarity between Tom Brady and Nolan Ryan that you can put out there on the table? Because we're seeing Brady do things in the NFL that we've never seen before, and Nolan in many ways was that guy in Major League Baseball as well. well Rich, you're really setting me up perfectly here. Well, that's what uh, I do for a living, Tom. <laughs> I, you know, I know what you do for a living. But, I, 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 can, I, can, I, can, I can pitch as well. And I'm I more underhanded, it. just setting it up for you on a team. You know, I hit the crease between old school and new school. <laughs> yes. And Nolan was the first test baby with all the, the new research that we did with motion analysis, with ground force production, energy going into the arm. Uh, which we need to talk about shoulders with your guys over here. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave Del Tufo on the side for a moment, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady and Nolan Ryan have the but floor. If you, if you follow four basic principles, biomechanics, functional strength, mental, emotional management, and nutrition and sleep for recovery, there's no reason an athlete can't do at age 45 what he did at age 25. And we proved it with the Texas Rangers and, Six of the ten pitchers I had in that time frame pitched in their mid-40s. By the time I got around to Tom Brady, um, walking by Belichick's office one time when we had been out on the field throwing the football, Mm -hmm. Belichick called us in and said, okay, tell me why I shouldn't trade Tom Brady. And at this time, I think Brady was 37, Mm -hmm. 36. And I just said, well... Bill, the research shows that if Tom does what he's supposed to do, all those four things I just mentioned, which he does to the, you know, the the T, there's no reason he shouldn't play until he's 45, and here we are. So Brady, what would you say? Listened to you all the way up until he was 42, and that was the end of that. I no, mean, he's still putting numbers up, and he. No, may- I know that, but I'm just wondering. So, so Belichick said, okay, why? He really asked you, why shouldn't I trade Tom Brady right yeah, now? Yeah, because the prevailing in my generation, mm-hmm. you were done as a pitcher at age 32, 33. Yes. We proved that that wasn't true because of what we had done with the Rangers. Um, and the carryover was that when we got into football, um, I think George Blanda, uh, there were only two quarterbacks that were even productive into their 40s. Uh, and so we just took what we learned in baseball and put it in front of the quarterbacks. And quarterbacks, by the way, are a lot easier to work with than pitchers are. Is that so? I, I think they just have to be because of the volume of information they have to process and the time frame that uh, they have to do it in. They're quicker thinkers than most pitchers. Um, and if you're a quicker thinker, you're usually a quicker learner. Too. When did Tom Brady first get on your radar screen, Tom House? When did that happen? Um, I think 10 years ago now. Drew, Drew Brees was our first elite quarterback where we actually helped him with his shoulder rehab, and 
where he wasn't ever supposed to be, to be able to throw again. We fixed him. Charges going into the Saints pretty much That's back then. awesome. Right? Okay. And uh, what we found out is that quarterback fraternity is really a small little fraternity. Mm-hmm. And we fixed Drew, and he uh, started spreading the word that we kind of knew what we were doing. You fixed him all right. He's going to the Hall of Fame for his ballot. I um, mean, remember, I had the easy job. All I did was sock. He had to do all the work. Of course. But the bottom line is credibility with him gave us credibility with other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon uh, it grew into one of one of the companies that I'm a part of called 3DQB. Mm-hmm. And 3DQB right now probably deals with 25 or 30 of the collegiate quarterbacks. J.J. Uh, McCarthy from... Uh, Michigan doing great work on him, Tom. Um, great work. It was it was easy. It was very easy with him. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of how we grew into it. What about Josh Allen? So much about him. Talked about coming out of Wyoming, not so accurate, and you can't teach accuracy in the league. That you're throwing motion, it's your throwing motion, and so on and so forth. Well, what work did you do with the guy who right now is uh, the odds-on MVP favorite, even though it's just one game in the season? Well, we have these metrics that uh, are a result of all the data and the research we've done, mm-hmm. and he fit all the metrics. And What metrics can you, what do you um, think? Just the mechanical, mechanical efficiency, mm-hmm. functional strength, his ability to accelerate and decelerate muscles efficiently, efficiently his capacity to... Um, make decisions, um, the zone that everybody talks about. I'm sure you've been in the zone mm-hmm. in your job. Uh, I was in the zone maybe once or twice in nine years. <laughs> but it's when thinking is inversely proportional to the stimulus of the environment. Josh was one of those guys that the crazier things got, uh, the calmer he became. How do you measure that, Tom? How does one measure something oh, like that's that? That's really cool about what, I, like I said, I hit the crease between old school and new school. Uh-huh where in the old days you just kind of had to guess and, and an experienced coach could have a feel. Sure. Well, we actually have the instruments now, uh, star profile, whatever it might be, to where we can tell you how a kid thinks, how he processes. You learn to learn, you learn, and you learn, re, learn to relearn mm-hmm. how he processes that type of stuff. What his personality, is he a guy that can move a room? Is he not going to be able to help somebody in the huddle? Uh, All the pieces that we had on Josh um, indicated, even though he came from a small school, that he would adjust uh, not only physically but mentally to the game, which he's proven. And, again, I didn't have personal hands-on with him. Uh, John Beck and Adam Data with 3DQB Mm -hmm. had the initial goal with him. But, but again, we've touched a whole lot of quarterbacks in the last 10 years. Tom House here on the Rich Eisen Show, Throwing Guru, and we'll get to the Mustard app in a second because I know that's a, a new venture for you. You want to get out there in front of the Rich Eisen Show audience, and I'm thrilled that you are here. Um, so uh, which young quarterback in mid-20s right now do you think, I guess, or would you say all of them, if they follow your principles, can play as long as Brady? Or is he really an outlier, Tom? I mean, you got Mahomes, you got all these guys who are just lighting it up. Burrow, Herbert, so on. Allen's one of them. Lamar's another. I mean, it may take a unique personality to want to play till they're 45. Right. Um, one of the things when, when you've got $350 million guaranteed, hmm. your motivation to play the game until you're 45 might not be what it was for a, either a, a Nolan Ryan or a Tom Brady. But 
um, just pure numbers. There's a, a bunch of them out there. The kid down well, uh, with the Chargers, uh, he's one of those kids that Herbert Herbert uh, could his physical makeup and his mental emotional makeup. He's one of those guys would should have no trouble if he wants to to play until he's 45. What about Mahomes? What do you Mahomes, making? Uh, if he can learn to stay in the pocket a little bit more, <laughs> the the more you run around. I mean, you think about someone the size of TJ, your your your, your gatekeeper here. Six three, right? TJ, six three, coming at you. Six so three, that's it. Okay, well, I'm saying. add a hundred pounds Big to him, and that's chasing you around, trying to tear your head off. Yes, it's a little different physically, but if he could stay upright, there's no reason at all that Mahomes couldn't play. Was so what are the four principles? Once again, hit it for me. Okay, once if again. you were a, a scout or a coach, yes, sir, looking at a quarterback yes, or any athlete for that matter, it's his biomechanical efficiency. How well does he move doing his skill? Mm-hmm. It's his functional strength. Does he have the accelerator, accelerator, decelerator capacity to be balanced with large throwing totals or pitching totals? Mm-hmm. Um, what is his mental emotional makeup? Can he handle the stress and anxieties of being a profile guy? Mm-hmm. Um, does it bother him when he gets booed by 40,000 people? Or what? <laughs> uh, It didn't bother me. I didn't hear my last name in Boston for three years. <laughs> <laughs> for all you Boston fans. Or house became a four-letter word. Yeah. Okay, yeah, very good. Basically, went now pitching for the Sox, number 29, Tom. Boo. Boo. <laughs> Fantastic. So, and then again, the, uh, we've learned more about recovery and the value of Sure. Um, but that's what know, Brady, he counsels that all the time. Everything you read about him, he lives to the nth degree. So if you want to pay that price, um, that's what he does. And it's a price to pay. There's no it, question it is. about it. Uh, especially when you've got family and mm-hmm. kids growing up and all the pressures. So, yes, it can be done, but it takes dedication. And the one thing I feel, if I don't, uh, it'll allow me to share. Please. The one thing I've seen with the superstars that I've run across they have this inherent genetic predisposition to get better every day. Every day of their life, they're looking to get better by 1%, 2%. Not the 20% that people think you need, but 1% better every day. Their dedication to excellence is off the charts. What's the Mustard app? The Mustard app is telling everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. uh, everything we would just put on the table for your listeners to hear, Costs about thirty thousand a weekend for the elite guys. Mm. Um, what we are trying to do with mustard is to democratize all that the elite get. Um, put a cell phone in the hands of a mom or a dad that has a twelve-year-old son or daughter. Have them be able to film their movements or their skills, mm-hmm. send it to the cloud, and come back and get virtually the same analysis that the big boys get when they come to work with us over a weekend. And it's turning out to be one of the best things I've ever done. I say me, but we're surrounded with, a, I really got some great people I'm working with. We've actually got an app that is free where a mom or a dad of a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old can get the same efficacy of information and instruction that our elite athletes do. Well, I've got, uh, I'm, I'm downloading the app literally as soon as you would leave the studio. I've got an 11-year-old son that just started playing a little travel ball. 
Uh, when he picked up a ball with his left hand, I'm like, jackpot. Hello. Because I'd like, you know, Jamie Moore pitched to what, 49? 49, yeah. Your, everybody talks about the Nolan Ryan, but, you know, you can do it with the, the average athlete, too. Well, I mean, so, um, and it's funny, he came home last night, one of, the, one of his colleagues on the fall ball team asked me, I guess he's a catcher, asked him to throw a curve, and he said he threw a curve, and I just said, well, hold on a second now. Hold on a second. And I'm like, I've got, I explained to him who you are, and I'm like, I got Tom House on the show tomorrow. You want to throw it out there for any parents who have kids that are throwing right now, boys, girls, or what have you? What what do you counsel for them? Okay. Prior to getting the mustard app or after getting the mustard app? Before or after. Mm -hmm. uh, We know in today's world that kids pitch too much. They don't throw enough. So so let your son throw anything, anytime, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, A curveball was taboo when I was coming through the system. Mm-hmm. But we now know that thrown properly, a curveball is the easiest pitch on the arm. Get out of here. Uh, it's contraindicated, but that's what science is all about. When you can look at a delivery at a 1,000 frames a second, and you can wireless EMG the stresses that go on in the arm when he does. But let me tell you about a left-hander that can throw a curveball. Mm-hmm. They pitch till they can't walk. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, if, you can th- if you're left-handed and you can throw a curveball... Velocity is nice, but it's not necessary. So I think it okay. was uh, Sandy Koufax told me there's good curveball hitters, but nobody can hit a good curveball. And that's what carried me. Because my, my fastball sucked, but I did have a good curveball, and I could hit a Nats ass with it anywhere, <laughs> anywhere anytime you want it. And what it did was buy me the chance to have one good year, which I did, mm-hmm. and that one good year bought me seven more. <laughs> so you just had my story my life story in a nutshell right there tom house here on the rich eisen show before i let you go i would be remiss if i did not give you the floor on shohei otani and what we're seeing and your two cents on his throwing motion and how long do you think he can keep up what he is doing at the major league level tom house well he's the only one in the history that did what babe ruth did and he's doing it better um, not, you know, he's a top 10 pitcher and a top five hitter. Uh, it's, I don't know how he does it. He's a gifted athlete, but his, his makeup also says that he'll be able to st- sustain it. Um, he's surrounded by um, a group that really takes care of him. All the, all, and he's a good kid. Uh, so there's no reason physically that he can't do it. It's just how long does he want to do it? But he's special. He sure is. There's no doubt. Are you work, working with Arch Manning as well? Or have you seen him yet? Tom? Arch, oh the, yeah. the grandson. Yeah. Um, I think Adam and and Adam Dato and John Beck with 3D QBR. Okay. Um, I have not had hands on with him personally, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm trying to retire. I'm trying to trying to, to pull back, back off trying to pull and back. leave um, what I've done. Have the kids that are following me stand on my shoulders, not only with 3DQB with the, with the National Pitching Association. Mm-hmm. But all things that I've heard about uh, him is that he is he's the real deal. He's got the gene pool and all the advantage of how to and why from, the, from all the relatives, so special case. Well, I, I, I asked about him not only because he is, you know, a Manning and so many people are paying attention, but the aforementioned T.J. Jefferson plans to retire on the rookie cards he's already bought, <laughs> even though he's still in high school. Yeah. So he's trying to... you got to stay ahead good, of the curve, good, Tom. I think it's a good investment, T.J. I think yeah, you just got to confirm. It, he's, a, he's a very projectable kid, and you realize that they start showing up at age 14 or 15, which is another 
thing that we have to deal with in today's world where these kids are projected to be college prospects or you know baseball prospects mm-hmm. at 12 and 13 which is another thing that messes not only the athletes heads up a little bit but the moms and dads that, <laughs> oh, that, oh you're, you're a whole another story oh yeah that's what we'll have you back we'll talk about it. everybody should get the mustard app i'm literally going to download it during the commercial yeah. break as you walk team, out sir team mustard TeamMustard.com. And mustard Tom. is spelled M-S-T-R-D. Okay, very good. And uh, I appreciate that for all those out there. <laughs> I follow you on Twitter at Tom House, uh, and I appreciate you coming in here, Tom. First of hopefully many times, anytime you want to come in. I had a great time. I'll pal around with you anytime you want. Man. I love it. That's Tom House, everybody, who can hit a curveball on an ant's ass. Write that one down, Chris, please. I already tweeted that out, Rich. Okay, you already did that. Very good. <laughs> Tom House ass. right here on the Rich Eisen Show. We're back. With your phone calls, some more from Russell Wilson. Look at that photograph. There it is right there. You're giving him the ball. Here it is, Hammer. Who are you, young man? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. When you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van, you are opening up more than just doors, people. You're unlocking potential, the potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, do your own success, blaze your own trail. Each and every Sprinter van is built, designed, and equipped to let you hit the open road and take on any goal you set to help you follow your own passions, reawaken that spirit of adventure, and check out on all those big, bold, and fun, exciting experiences that you've always wanted to check off your bucket list. Owning a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van lets you live, work, and play out your dreams, no matter how far off the beaten path they'll take you. And with 16 body types, your chassis, your choice of a gas or diesel engine, and thousands of ways to customize, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions. So wherever you want to take them, that's where you should go. Now's the time to discover what it is that moves you most. Don't wait. Unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter. How delightful was that chat, right? I, I mean, I was that. hanging on his every that word. Awesome. That was really interesting. Hanging on his every word. They can measure anything right now. They can measure whether you think properly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. The amount of data that's just collected and now. It is. And basically, it, it's, it's, it's like either you, you've got it or you don't. And they can measure if you've got it. And if you follow four basic principles to the nth degree, like Tom Brady is, like you don't zero cheat days. Right. Man, that was awesome with Tom House right there. That was just absolutely awesome. Uh, okay, I've been promising this. I need uh, NFL Films music, please. Four downs with, uh, with right here on the Rich Eisen every Tuesday. Four thoughts on the NFL campaign the week that just uh, finished up. Hit it, Mike Del Tufo. Hut, hut. Four downs with Rich. Here we go. Why did you All 
right, here's my first down. Uh, so much conversation about uh, rookies. As we all know, on the offensive side of the ball, the offensive rookie of the year. And, you know, again, we're just one weekend, and that's where you can kind of see who may have it, who doesn't. If you know they were banged up during the preseason, how do they look? If they play in week number one, you know, the Jets have uh, uh, Garrett Wilson. The Saints have Chris Olave. That's just throwing it out there, and then you want to go in the second round. I mean, Christian Watson had one right in his hands and dropped it on perfect on uh, Aaron Rodgers. Not the way you want to start off with Aaron Rodgers, but uh, there's uh, still many more games to come. But I'll just say first down, Drake London looks the part, folks. Number five in your program uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. He had just five catches, 74 yards, seven targets for Marcus Mariota. He just looked the part. He looks big. He looks strong. He presents the target. He runs after the catch. He's going to be a problem. And uh, next up for him, the USC Trojan comes right to his old backyard against the Rams. And uh, I I think he's going to have a nice Sunday. He's throwing it out there. I know Jalen Ramsey wants to bounce back significantly. But first, first in, first looks, I, I liked what I saw out of Drake London for the Atlanta Falcons. And I think the offense uh, was humming against the Saints. I don't think that's an outlier either for Arthur Smith's team. Second down right here on my post-week one uh, down. Four downs. It's a simple question. And after just one week of him with his new team, I'll just ask it. Why in the world would you ever trade A.J. Brown? <laughs> <laughs> right? We were sure it wasn't going to happen. Dude, I, I couldn't be happier that he's on my fantasy team. Why in the world would you ever trade A.J. Brown? I guess they didn't want to pay him, and they got the same height, weight guy in Traylon Burks, and good luck to him. Um, and I hope he does blossom for the Tennessee Titans, who yes. were points challenged uh, against the Giants. And A.J. Brown, 10 for a buck 55, 13 targets. Okay, thank you. <laughs> That's what, Philadelphia Eagles fans. So when are we going to get, you know, somebody who's a game-changer at wide receiver? You know, I know Alshon Jeffrey had a, a, a minute there. I'm, I'm just talking about a big, tall, strong wide Freddie receiver Mitchell. that Jalen Hurts, your quarterback, can look for and find. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, I, I, that's a rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's second down. Here's third down right here. Third down. Sneaky good attacks. Sneaky good attacks. You're not thinking about them. They're sneaky good. So far, one weekend, the sneakiest good pass attack in the league may just be the Baltimore Ravens. Everybody overlooking what they're doing. And okay, and it's not just Mark Andrews. Hey, look, the Jets on defense looked faster than I have seen them in a while. We've got Sauce Gardner slated to be on uh, Wednesday, our next Rich Eisen show. You know, Quan Alexander's flying around. The pass rush is significant. That first half of the... The Jets' season defensively was a nice check mark. I liked what I saw out of him, and 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 then Lamar starts flinging around. He, by the way, had a no look touchdown pass that I think if Mahomes threw it would have been on would have been on every uh, highlight show, top of mind. Uh, I mean, Lamar found Rashad Bateman for a touchdown, two scores for Texas Longhorn Devin Duvernay. It almost was a great weekend for the Longhorns and in current and uh, and uh, you know alumni form. Three touchdowns in the air for Lamar. And and I know Michael Irvin was saying he should have run the football more. Uh, not when you can throw it in the air. I'll take the throwing Lamar over the running Lamar. The running Lamar can happen anytime. Throwing Lamar, I, I want to see them win games like that, and they did. 
against the Jets defense that came out humming. That's third down and fourth down. Would you believe? Fourth down. Would you believe I looked it up? <laughs> Mike Tomlin has never won coach of the year. Wow. Did you know that? AP coach of the year. Never been handed to Mike Tomlin. Bill really? Cowher won it once. Mike Tomlin has never won coach of the year. Now you could knock me over with a feather on that one. Maybe this is a year. It could be set up for him. That week one W was not expected, to say the least. Mitchell Trubisky did look pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. I, and I know I'm going higher register with him. At some point, maybe I'll have to go regular register on Trubisky. But for the moment, I'm just going to go. Mitchell Trubisky looked pretty good on that <laughs> offense. And defensively, my God, did they get after it. And they are, they are angry. They are feeling overlooked. Mike Tomlin has the troops salty. Your Michigan guy played salty. well, Devin Bush. A salty bunch. And if they can win the division this year, let's say they come up with 12, 13 wins, and winning one on the road against the Bengals, your defending division champs and AFC champs, is a good way to start it. Let's just say everyone thinks that, you know, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing year. And not only does he not have a losing year, he has a, like, two or three seed year in a, in a conference that's got the Bills and the Chiefs. Is this a season Mike Tomlin finally wins Coach of the Year? And those are my four downs post-week one of the 2022 season. You need to look at the Steelers' schedule. Let's do it. Next up are your Pats. I mean, that's a win. Coming they, in. They could be three and one. <laughs> then they're at Cleveland. Before they have a nice little tough a short stretch week. before the bye. And then in comes the Jets. Oh, yeah, could be Zach rough. Wilson's unwrapping. That's a rough four in a but row. But they're three and one before they, you know, really Dude, hit it with Buffalo, they, yeah, Tampa, Tampa, Miami. Miami. What, if, what if they hit Buffalo in the mouth in the same way that they did week one last year? What if they come out with that win that nobody expected? What if the Mitchell Trubisky revenge factor nobody's talking about comes home to roost? In Buffalo, though. That's what happened last year. They beat him in Buffalo know, last year with Big Ben on like one half a leg. If they can get one of those tough games, suddenly they're four and three going into the bye when I think that they, was they totally be unexpected. Back. And uh, T.J. Watt, it looks like, will Love avoid it. surgery. So Good. just throwing that all out there. Yeah, he could be back in six weeks. Just Did not tear the Who's back first, T.J. Watt or Dak Prescott? <laughs> I'll go T.J. Watt. That's a legit question. I know. That's why I asked it. I only ask those. Well, well I mean, gosh. sometimes you ask stuff TJ, to kind of poke me a little doubted bit. Rich. Come I, I kind of think yes. Dak is back first. No way. A torn crack puts guys out for the year. I know. A broken, repaired throwing hand. No, a thumb. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's an important part of the hand. A thumb. You couldn't grip the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's very important. Come on now. I'm not yeah. saying it's not. Here. I'm going to say Dax back first. I'll go TJ Watt. I just want that on the record. I, I would uh, put a hard-earned American General, dollars on it, but you haven't paid off the Kenny Pickett wasn't a top-10 uh, pick bet. He sure, he sure had. Top five was a top five? Top 10. Uh, top 10? Yeah. But you know, Rich, I should get double that bet because I predicted Kenny would get drafted by the Steelers that whole time, and, and that like happened. Everybody. Never say never, everybody. but never. nobody. Oh, stop it! Not everybody, everybody did. Everybody. No, not at the time we made the bet. No, it didn't. I was saying it during the season. Come on. Come All right. On. When we come back, we go out the door with the way Russell Wilson was greeted walking in the door, <laughs> and the latest head-scratching decision from Cleveland Browns management. Got to talk about it. Three words I didn't know existed that I would never say on TV either. That's coming up next. Back here on our terrestrial radio network. Okay.
Are we still on 210? We are still on channel 210 on the Roku channel, baby. Just making sure. You can listen to the the NFL and the NFL app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One Station Streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. If it's the NFL, it's on Westwood One. I did the uh, Monday Night Football last night on Westwood One. I'm there uh, next week for Vikings and Eagles. We're going to have Dalvin Cook and Jalen Hurts scheduled to appear on the show later this week. Nice. Um, Fantastic. So the conversation about Russell Wilson has been all over the map ever since he came into the league. Our, our first television podcast version of the audio podcast that this show is born out of. Did I say that right, Chris? La- so. A last-minute guest ad for the season-opening television podcast version on NFL Network. Yeah, was we a, did a uh, 2012 yeah. season kickoff. The young kid out of Wisconsin that we kept on asking for because it looked like he was going to start for the Seattle Seahawks, but we kept being told he was in the film room the whole time, except for this 10-minute window that we were able yep. to hit, yep. was Russell Wilson. Correct. And then, you know, Russ became the darling of Seattle, and why not? He was the personification of the Pete Carroll always compete mantra that it doesn't matter where you've been drafted or if you were drafted at all if you're on the team and you get to compete which everyone does and you compete well enough you can start you can star you can be the guy and then we all know and we all know what happened as things went forward and then came the word that that they were starting they were like russ rules there like certain rules for russ that didn't apply to other people that that you know, they didn't the rumor they didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch on the goal line, not because they thought it was wise to throw it. They didn't want Marshawn to be the MVP of the game. Let's get Russ the MVP of the game by allowing him to throw it. I mean, that's the sort of conversation that based on all the chatter beneath the surface in Seattle, right? That there was always the erring on the side of making sure Russ is okay. Happy. And happy and he's our guy to the detriment of everyone else. Or, you know, even though you're the stars as well of this team. And then the the beneath-the-surface conversation about Russ flipped, where suddenly, before the 2018 draft, we heard that in Dallas. We were ear to the ground. We heard the Seahawks might be out on Russ, that they've had enough of Russ, that there's parts of Russ that we don't see that – creates too much of an issue and we're like what are those issues the guy goes to children's hospitals when he's not playing and good luck winning games without him because you're winning games because you won't even let russ cook remember we even mentioned that to pete carroll last year and he bristled like what do you mean we don't let him cook you know and 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 then suddenly it flipped and then Russell Wilson just last week confirmed they tried, yes, the Seahawks did in fact try to trade him prior to the 2018 draft to Cleveland for the first overall pick, and we're going to take Josh Allen with him. Cleveland held on to that pick, as we all know, and did not choose Josh Allen. So I think the way that everything played out last night shows you there's a lot of beneath-the-surface stuff about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Because K.J. Wright was the retiree who was raising the banner for the 12s last night. They gave him a tribute video. No tribute video for Russell Wilson. Don't you think it's just like, hey, thanks for the memories? And this is so pe- petty and I don't know. I just think there's some water under that bridge, man. And I think the fans pick up on it. I know we had a caller earlier saying the fans... 
weren't booing Russ. They were booing the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, I think our caller from Salt yeah. Lake City said. And they're booing the Broncos, which is what they do. I don't get that sense. I didn't get that This was Russ after the game about the boos. I think that, you know, more than anything else, though, for me personally, um, I didn't waver, you know. Um, they may cheer for you. They may boo you. Uh, they may, uh, they'll love you one day and they'll hate you the next. And uh, that's sports. At the end of the day, I'm going to keep competing. I'm going to keep battling. I know who I am. First of all, I, I think for me, I'm just grateful God's given me the chance to play this game, to sit here in front of you guys and say, God, you know, it's, it's all for his glory and his glory alone. It's not for anybody else's. I play for an audience of one, and that's just for him. And so I'm just grateful that uh, I get to be with these guys, you know, in this locker room too as well. I've been around some amazing teammates in the past, and i got some amazing teammates currently. And uh, I'm, I'm going to remember every single moment of that. So um, tonight was special. Um, you know, it was, it was on the other side, you know, than than, than, I, than I used to. Um, but it was uh, it was still a special environment, so a place that I've always loved. A place he's always loved? I don't know if the feeling's currently mutual. I'm just wondering if water can get under the bridge at some point and it's all over, or that he does deserve to be feted in that stadium. Yeah. I kind of feel. It's like, probably so still like, soon. You know, it's still too soon, and I, I also still... heard people are saying, "Well, he left. He wanted out. He left, right? And left them with Drew Locke and Geno Smith, not in a spot, you know, where at least Colts fans got Andrew Luck after they lost, you know, after they lost uh, Peyton Manning, and and things might have been different for Tom Brady's return last year if Mac Jones hadn't already shown and flashed, right? I don't know." Something's beneath the surface. And I also I just think that Russ clearly thought he was going to win last night when he brought an outfit worthy of the Met Gala. Like that's, That <laughs> looks like somebody... Because uh, Dion taught me a long time ago that when people come dressed like this to a game, that's their we're-going-to-win-today suit. That you don't dress like that thinking you're going to lose. Yeah. You know. Well, he didn't fumble it twice on the goal line. That's true. I mean, he played well enough to win. <laughs> One other item before we go... Uh, we, we like to, again, I know we're kind of new to the Roku channel audience, so we're, we're going to keep you up to speed every now and then in our first week here. Uh, we like breaking news. We like breaking news, and we like um, you know setting trends here on the program. So in light of both of those, breaking news and setting a trend, uh, Cleveland Browns management can sometimes get it wrong. <laughs> Understatement. This one I don't get. Fans will get it. I don't get it. Here are three words I never thought I'd, I would know existed. Did you know they have multiple mascots there? And they've placed one of their mascots at the center of their field. When the Jets visit this weekend to open the home schedule for the 1-0 Cleveland Browns, they have placed one of their mascots at the center of the field, and it's not one of the dogs. It's a mascot called Brownie the Elf. And it is like some like old Disney-looking drawing like from the 40s. And it it is a monstrously sized sort of Vulcan eared elf in, in a in a Heisman like pose with big old you know Disney dwarf shoes. And to anybody who doesn't know the history of this mascot or doesn't know the Browns organization intimately, you are going to be thinking, "What the hell is that?" But apparently this logo goes back to the 40s to the point where apparently Paul Brown even thought about putting it on the side of the helmet 
And then he saw a mock-up. He goes, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> and the mascot was around until Art Modell, get this, in 1961, bought the team, said, we're, the elf's gone. Out. He de-elfed the Browns. <laughs> and then he de-Brownsed Cleveland. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> but there's a history of it. And I, I guess Randy Lerner, when he bought the team back to life, brought the elf back to life. Uh, it was the training camp patch logo of 20, 2006, celebrating the 60th anniversary of the franchise. And now it is back, and it is on the center of the field, Oof. out of the blue. I, I guarantee you most of the diehard NFL fan base is going to be like, who the hell is Brownie the Elf? And apparently it's born out of like a children's book where, you know, a, brown, a brownie was the name of an elf that would come out in the middle of the night and do household chores, and you'd leave a brownie for the elf as a thank you? Like, I looked this up, and I'm like, really? Is that where, that's where we're going? Okay, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice in the middle of everything. Figuratively for their team, and literally on the field, they are putting a monster-sized brownie the elf. On that field. Remember that Christmas thing, Hard Rock, Coco, and Joe? You ever see that? I do not know, sir, what you were talking about. Like, like, literally, that sounded like gibberish from the corner of the room. No, it's definitely, it's a cartoon that comes on, and it's these three elves, and it's in black and white, starting in the 50s, and that's what this looks like. It's Hard Rock, Coco, and Joe. It's an elf, and that's exactly. I don't know what the hell it is. Exactly what that thing is. That's a choice. That is a choice. Hey, well, it's too man. bad Baker Mayfield's not coming back to plant the flag right in the belt. <laughs> that could be 2-0 and football team, That's though. That's true. So who cares? Yeah, Put whatever you want in the middle of the field. Can I tell you what curse the Browns... Curse of the Elf? Is it the Curse of the Elf? <laughs> <laughs> curse know, of the man. Elf? Can I tell you I'm... what the Browns did do right, though? What? I just want to give a shout-out to a friend of mine, my guy Nathan Zagora, who's yeah, calling okay. the show. All right. We used to do a fantasy football show 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Followed his dream. He worked, and he's now the color guy for the Browns radio, okay. man. Good for he, him. Just, so I want to give him a shout out. Okay, I'm glad you did. Yeah. He's going to be staring down at a huge ass elf. <laughs> I mean, there's team logos, there's the shield, and then there's Brownie the Elf. Am I the only one who doesn't hate this as much? Uh, yes. 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 You're I really the only don't. One. I don't hate it. This In is, the middle of the field? I mean, that's huge too. It goes beyond both hash marks. It's huge. I mean... It's, I know. Sometimes I look at stuff and I go, nuts. "Ooh, I look at that." I don't hate I don't it necessarily. I mean, there's intentional grounding inside the uh, elf, elf box. Wow! You got to break the elf box. I mean, no. Otherwise, it's intentional grounding. Uh-uh. You get free cookies. Thanks to Jim Harbaugh, Tom House, and Mark Schlereth. House. Tomorrow's show: Nate Boyer in studio, Marcus Smart of your Celtics, Chris. Yeah. And Sauce Gardner of my Jets.